Welcome to A Great Big City News, episode 18. Today, Aton Pate's investigation, a possible St. Patrick's arson is stopped, and subway tokens get modernized. Visit agreatbigcity.com support to learn how to support New York City local news and allow us to keep bringing you this podcast. If you are a New York-based business and would be interested in sponsoring our podcast, visit agreatbigcity.com advertising to learn more. Hi, I'm Trace Gilton, founder of A Great Big City. Welcome back, and I hope you enjoyed last week's roundup of baseball history. Today I have a selection of events from New York history and a discussion of the biggest news stories of the week. Today's podcast does make mention of murder, but there will not be graphic details described. Sixteen years ago, on April 13, 2003, subway tokens are phased out to be completely replaced by the Metro card. The transition had begun from 1993 to 1997 when MetroCard-compatible turnstiles were being installed citywide. Tokens had debuted in 1953 at a cost of 15 cents per ride, equivalent to $1.04 in 2003, but data showed only 9% of riders were using tokens by 2003. During the phase-out, no more tokens were sold from April 13th and could only be used until May 4th when new fares would go into effect. Bus riders could continue using tokens through December 31st, but would require an extra 50 cent fee. In modern day, the retirement of the Metro card is quickly approaching, with MTA planning a switch to a new payment system that uses cards with chips or mobile phones that only need to be waved over a card reader at the turnstile. The first card readers are scheduled to begin testing this summer on Staten Island buses and on the 456 train between Grand Central and the Barclays Center. The MTA plans to completely phase out the Metro card by 2023 in favor of the new Omni card, spelled O-M-N-Y, standing for One Metro New York. 37 years ago, on April 12, 1982, Three CBS employees are killed after encountering a gunman abducting a woman on top of the Pier 92 parking garage. The brutal killings raised suspicion, and the killer was found to be a hired hitman who targeted two federal witnesses in a diamond fraud case. Erwin Margolis had attempted to defraud investors and was afraid two women had evidence against him. In later court documents, a lawyer for Margolis would admit that he had helped arrange the murders of Margaret Barbara and Jenny Sue Chin by paying Donald Nash $8,000 per murder in December 1981. Chin was abducted in Ridgewood, Queens on January 5, 1982 by a masked person and her vehicle was discovered nine days later abandoned on West 36th Street in Manhattan, but her body has never been recovered and she is presumed dead. On April 12th, CBS employees Leo Kuranuki, Robert Scholes, and Edward Benford spotted Nash abducting Barbara in a similar manner and attempted to intervene, but were shot when they approached. Nash was convicted of murder and conspiracy and received a hundred-year prison sentence. He would go on to kill again in prison when he sliced the neck of a fellow prisoner at Auburn Correctional Facility in 1994, and he died behind bars in 2016 at age 80. Margolis was sentenced for fraud and for instigating the murders of Chin and Barbara as a cover-up. 
Shortly after beginning a 28-year sentence at Metropolitan Correctional Center in Manhattan, Margolis allegedly again tried to hire a hitman by offering a fellow inmate $15,000 to kill an attorney representing the company that Margolis had defrauded. Jacqueline Barber would go on to sue U.S. Assistant Attorney Stephen Schlesinger, claiming he was responsible for revealing that her daughter and Jenny Sue Chin were acting as informants and then failing to provide police protection, but the lawsuit was dismissed by the U.S. Court of Appeals. Thirteen years ago, on April 18, 2006, the Roosevelt Island tram suffers mechanical problems, trapping 69 people in two tram cars in the air for seven hours. The outage began at 5.22 p.m., and passenger rescues lasted until the early morning hours. One car near Manhattan was evacuated via crane, and the other via multiple trips in a rescue basket. After this incident, the tramway ceased operations until September 2006, when it reopened with upgraded infrastructure and supplies stored in each tram car that include emergency water, food, blankets, and a toilet. One year ago, on April 14, 2018, David Buckle, prominent gay rights lawyer and environmental advocate, sets himself on fire in Prospect Park. In a note left nearby his body in the southwest corner of Prospect Park, David explained that he chose to die by self-immolation in protest and to illustrate the damage that fossil fuels are doing to the environment. He also apologized in advance to those who would discover his body. Through his work with Lambda Legal, David was a force to secure and expand the rights of the LGBT community across the country. After a long legal career, he recently began focusing on urban composting and environmentalism, building projects at the Brooklyn Botanic Garden and the Red Hook Community Farm. You can visit the Red Hook Farm to volunteer and learn about composting on Fridays and Saturdays. Check their website to learn more at added-value.org. Eight years ago, on April 16, 2011, Area Code 929 enters service. Area Code 212 usually represents New York in people's minds. But as telecommunications grew more complicated, demand began to exhaust the original citywide area code. Area Code 929 is one of the newer additions to the family of city numbers, and it overlaps with 718 and 347 in the outer boroughs. When announcing the new area code, Newstar estimated that 718 and 347 numbers would be exhausted by 2012, and with the addition of 929, that estimate was extended to 2029. As of 2019, the only newer area code is 332, which was assigned to Manhattan. With the shift toward mobile phones and the portability of numbers, 929 numbers can now travel across the country bringing along the legacy of once being assigned to someone living in New York City. One hundred and twelve years ago, on April 17, 1907, Ellis Island sets a record for the most immigrants processed in one day, at 11,747 people. This was also the busiest year for Ellis Island, with over one million immigrants received in 1907. Although New York was just serving as a port of entry, Many of those who immigrated to the United States made New York City their home, weaving together the city's multicultural heritage. Today, 36% of the population is foreign-born, 
with Queens being one of the most ethnically diverse areas in the United States, and more than 800 languages are spoken citywide, making New York City the most linguistically diverse city in the world. A man was taken into custody this week on April 17th after attempting to enter St. Patrick's Cathedral with cans of gasoline, lighter fluid, and lighters. The strange event comes just days after both a devastating fire at Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris that investigators think was caused by an electrical short during Reconstruction and a string of arsons of historic churches in Louisiana that have resulted in hate crime charges against a 21-year-old. Here's NYPD Deputy Commissioner of Intelligence John Miller explaining what happened as the man approached the cathedral. At approximately 7.55 p.m. tonight, an individual uh, pulled up in a minivan on Fifth Avenue, uh, left the car there for some time, walked around the area. Uh, but at 17.55 or hours, or rather 7.55 p.m., the individual returned to that minivan, uh, takes out two two-gallon cans of gasoline, uh, a plastic bag containing two bottles of lighter fluid, uh, the type of which you would use to light a charcoal grill or a barbecue, uh, two extended lighters, uh, butane lighters, uh, controlled by a trigger, and enters St. Patrick's Cathedral. As he enters the cathedral, he's confronted uh, by a cathedral security officer who asks him where he's going, informs him he can't uh, proceed into the cathedral carrying these things. At that point, some gasoline apparently is spilled out onto the floor as he's turned around. Uh, the St. Patrick's employee notifies two CRC, Critical Response Command, uh, from the Counterterrorism Bureau, police officers from our striker team who are outside, uh, that the individual went um, south on Fifth Avenue and onto 50th Street. They catch up to the individual who's carrying the gas cans and begin to question him. His answers were inconsistent and evasive, although he remained uh, uh, conversational with them and cooperative. His basic story was that he was cutting through the cathedral um, to get to Madison Avenue, that his car had run out of gas. Um, we took a look at uh, the vehicle. Uh, it was not out of gas. And at that point, he was taken into custody and brought to the Midtown North Station House. 37-year-old Mark Lamparella will be facing charges not just in the St. Patrick's incident, but also in New Jersey, where he refused to leave a church in Newark. Before heading to St. Patrick's, Lamparello reportedly purchased a $2,800 plane ticket to Italy that was set to leave the next day. In December, Lamparello had gone to New Jersey police with claims that he was being stalked by a police vehicle outside his home. Officials have made no announcement on whether he has been evaluated as emotionally stable or what compelled his recent church visits. 40 years ago on April 18, 1979. A New York Airways helicopter crashes upon takeoff at Newark International Airport, killing three and injuring 13. A tail rotor fracture caused the helicopter to tear apart at the tail and crash from 150 feet above the airport. This was the third deadly accident by New York Airways, including a shocking crash atop the Pan Am building in Midtown, and the company soon declared bankruptcy. Fifty-eight years ago in 1961, 
Bob Dylan plays in Greenwich Village for the first time. After a few months of hard times in New York town, Bob Dylan played his first professional gig at Gertie's Folk City on April 11, 1961. The venue had only been open a year, but would go on to debut many of the acts that would define the sounds of the 1960s and 70s folk revival. Dylan's career would quickly take off, and by October 1961, Dylan would be signed to Columbia Records. Gertie's Folk City was located at 11 West 4th Street, now the site of the Hebrew Union College campus. Visit the link in the show notes to watch a video of some of the Greenwich Village locations that Dylan called home. Seven years ago this week, new evidence brought FBI and NYPD investigators to Soho in the search for Aton Pates. The case of Aton Pates has been an enduring mystery ever since the six-year-old's disappearance in Soho in 1979, but his family hoped for a conclusion in 2012 when the FBI searched the basement of a building near Aton's home. A cadaver-sniffing dog had identified the basement of the building as possibly containing human remains, which led the FBI and NYPD to search the scene for evidence. Although the search found no new evidence, the NYPD announced one month later that they had received a written confession from Pedro Hernandez, a convenience store worker in the area who was 18 years old at the time. He confessed to the killing and disposing of the child's body, and in 2017 he was sentenced to life in prison. In recognition of Aton Pates, the day of his disappearance, May 25th, is designated as National Missing Children's Day, a day of remembrance and a reminder for the public to take notice of missing persons posters and remain vigilant for any possible sightings. The Great Big City has been bringing you daily New York City news since 2010, But the AGBC News Podcast is just getting started and we need your support. A Great Big City is built on a dedication to explaining what's happening and how it fits into the larger history of New York. Individuals can make a monthly or one-time contribution at agreatbigcity.com slash support, and local businesses can have a lasting impact by promoting their products or services directly to interested customers listening to the podcast. Visit agreatbigcity.com slash advertising to view rates and learn more. With your support, you can guarantee that a great big city will be here to tell future generations of New Yorkers how much their vintage Metro cards are being sold for on eBay. Park of the Day Castle Hill Park at Barrett Avenue and Olmsted Avenue in the Bronx. Castle Hill Park lies at the tip of Castle Hill Neck, a peninsula named by English settlers for a fortified Native American village located on a hill overlooking the East River. Castle Hill Neck was owned by the Cromwell family until the late 1700s, during which time the area was known as Cromwell's Neck. Earth Day is coming up on April 22nd, and Arbor Day is on the 26th, and the Parks Department has events in every borough over the next two weeks to celebrate. There will be events ranging from an Earth Day egg hunt in Co-op City in the Bronx, pizza making with the solar oven in Harlem, and you can even learn how to take care of a beehive at the Queens County Farm Museum. View the full schedule of events at the link in the show notes. And now let's see how our robot friend is celebrating Earth Day on the concert calendar. This is the AGBC concert calendar for the upcoming week. Children of Bodom, Summoner's Circle, 
Swallow the Sun, and Wolfheart are playing Irving Plaza on Friday, April 19th. Kate Breed, Chrome Mags, Fit for an Autopsy, Obituary, and Terror are playing PlayStation Theater on Friday, April 19th. Black Clips, Quintron Mississippi Pussycat, and Wooing are playing Bowery Ballroom on Saturday, April 20th. The National is playing Beacon Theater on Monday, April 22nd. Ufa Mamiot and King's Destroy are playing St. Vitus Bar on Tuesday, April 23rd. Girl Pool and Hatchie are playing Music Hall of Williamsburg on Wednesday, April 24th and Thursday, April 25th. Injury Reserve are playing Zone 1 Elsewhere on Wednesday, April 24th. As Friends Rust, Ageist, and Somerset Thrower are playing the King's Lind on Thursday, April 25th. Hot Water Music, Air Type 11, and Iron Sheik are playing Music Hall of Williamsburg on Thursday, April 25th and Friday, April 26th. Camp Cope is playing Warsaw on Thursday, April 25th. Health, Picture Plane, and Youth Code are playing elsewhere on Thursday, April 25th. Pup, Diet Sig, and Rat Boy are playing Brooklyn Steel on Friday, April 26th. Orville Peck is playing elsewhere on Friday, April 26. And Now Now, Daddy Issues, and Foxing are playing Warsaw on Friday, April 26. Thanks for listening. Find more fun things to do at agreatbigcity.com slash events. Here's something you may not have known about New York. Alan Kay of the advertising agency Corey Kay and Partners brainstormed the slogan, If you see something, say something, one day after September 11th, and it would debut as an MTA awareness campaign one year later. You can now find the slogan nationwide as local agencies license the rights to the slogan from the New York government. The extreme highs and lows for this week in weather history. A record high of 92 degrees on April 19, 1976, and a record low of 22 degrees on April 19, 1875. Weather for the week ahead. Rain today and tomorrow, with high temperatures bobbing out at 64 degrees on Monday. Thanks for listening to A Great Big City. Follow along 24 hours a day on social media at A Great Big City or email contact at A Great Big City with any news, feedback, or topic suggestions. Subscribe to A Great Big City News wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or listen to each episode on the podcast pages at agreatbigcity.com slash podcast. If you enjoy the show, subscribe and leave a review wherever you're listening. And visit our site to see show notes and extra links for each episode. Thanks for being part of a great big city.